0: The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: So tonight is week three of our six-week introduction class, and you probably remember I encouraged you to notice just uh, all the different ways the thinking mind, the habit-based mind had preferred not to come to the one more zoom meeting tonight and just that's such a useful place where there's a little mental resistance it's really a a wonderful practice place to notice that that mental resistance like oh i don't think so that that is just an experience being known Because if we don't notice mental resistance, like the resistance to coming to this class tonight, if we don't notice it, what's gonna happen? So in terms of the way habit habits work or mental tendencies work, if we're not consciously aware, mindfully aware of a tendency, we're gonna be swept along. It's gonna, in a sense, govern what we do, what we don't do. But when we're aware of a tendency, when we're aware of biases and understand, yeah, that's the impulse in my heart. This is the inclination in the mind. Then there's some real possibilities, like to be willing to feel the desire to not get on another Zoom call, to notice the resistance as an unpleasant feeling being known. And then having made peace with the different emotions, feelings that are emotion, we can do what appears to us to be the most skillful thing because we're not afraid to feel what it feels like to go against the
0: resistance. So
1: you succeeded. (laughs) if there were, if you had any resistance. Before we do the meditation tonight, the guided meditation, I just wanted to remind us of a couple of things that I believe I brought up last week. <clears throat> One is this important distinction in terms of uh, the different meditation techniques that I've been covering, you've been practicing. All right? So there's a, a general category of meditation training where we're consciously, directing the attention so you could call that directed meditation practice or object-oriented meditation practice where part of the mental training excuse me is to keep returning attention to a particular experience now the common thing for us a lot of us Right, We're using either the body generally, the experience of embodiment, that movement of sensation. Even when we're sitting perfectly still, there's a flow, a movement, a physical sensation that can be known. So we could be directing the attention there or in a more specific way, still being aware of the body, but in a more specific way, the breath, like feeling the touching of the air at the nostrils, or feeling the rising and falling of the abdominal wall as we breathe in, as we breathe out. So then we're directing the attention back. On week four, oh, I'm sorry, I think it's week five, I'll introduce the loving kindness practice. That's another directed meditation. Wherever the mind wanders, as soon as we notice that the mind has gone to other aspects of experience, we direct the attention back to the chosen meditation object. So tonight again, for the first two thirds at least, we'll be doing mostly a directed meditation practice where we're we're bringing the attention back. In the biggest sense, meditation practice in this style is always directed, because even when we don't have a specific object, we're directing it to the present moment. But in what we call a non-directed meditation practice or an open awareness practice, I don't like this so much, but some people call it a choiceless awareness meditation practice, then the particular object that the mind is knowing, like what we're paying attention to, any object will do. Because... If we're relating to those various experiences that are being known as something being known in the present moment, then any particular experience can support the continuity of present moment awareness. We're not dire- We're not dependent on directing the attention back to a meditation object like the breath or the whole body or a mantra or a visualization or a prayer. You know, there's any number of directed meditation objects that are taught, you know, in the Buddhist tradition or in just more generally in different spiritual traditions.
2: <clears throat>
1: but open awareness practice, uh, a non-directed meditation practice, you can see really lends itself to practicing all day long. So what I've been recommending now is when you sit down at home, you've got your 10 minutes, you've got your 30 minutes, you've got your 45 minutes if you're lucky, right? Where you've shut your cell phone off, you've gotten the cat or dog in the other room, you've let the people you live with know to leave you alone. For that amount of time, you've set your little meditation timer to get a nice peaceful bell at the end of your time. So you don't have to look at the clock. You know, I've already determined I have this much time. I don't have to check. Even if I feel like bolting, I'm gonna stick with it until that bell rings, the alarm goes off, whatever. And then generally it's good initially to work with a directed meditation because it takes some skill to do an open attention, a non-directed practice. It can seem like we may have the intention to be present with the different things that the mind is knowing. Oh, this is being known, this is being known. But it isn't long before we're just lost in thought or caught up in some obsessive pattern. But we might think we're being mindful. But when you have a chosen, a specific meditation object then you know you're not meditating because you're not paying attention to that object, right? So one of the advantages of using, especially at the beginning of a set, a more directed meditation object, having a more direct, you know, specific meditation object, is it, it builds some integrity. So basically we're correlating being present with knowing this particular aspect of my experience that feeling of sensation as the abdomen rises with the in-breath, as it falls or comes in with the out-breath, or the touching at the nostrils, or more generally the sensations of the body sitting. So it's a very particular muscle of, emphasizing that particular muscle of non-distraction when you use a specific meditation object. So really play with that tonight, you know, because I'll give fewer instructions for that first part. Really play with that continuity with the chosen object. Now the mind, the knowing mind is very quick. So you know that knowing mind might notice this, but just keep tracking, knowing that you know the inhalation, knowing that you know the exhalation. Or some of you may be using hearing as your primary object when you're doing the directed meditation practice. And one of the profound things, it seems silly, you know, like just to keep one thing in mind. Whatever it is, you know, you could like have your eyes open and just have that soft gaze looking out toward the backyard, if you're looking out a window, let's say. And... It's just that the mind is sort of restless and it gets bored after three seconds looking out the window and then it wants to think this or it wants to check this out or what's going on in my knee and because the mind is in a way, it's one of its deep addictions is to diversity of experience flitting about, right? So when you, pick up a training, that's all it is, is, is a particular training of saying to the mind, honey, right now, this is your primary object. And when you roll off and start to pay attention to something else, as soon as I notice, in a gentle but very persistent way, the attention's coming back to this object. And then it goes over here. Oh, honey, no, we're being aware of this. And then it goes over there. I don't know if I've mentioned the image, but one image that Jack Hornfield uses is, and I've never had a dog, but when you have a puppy and you're teaching it to pee on the newspaper, you know, when it's like inside, instead of going all over the carpet, you bring it back, it wanders away, you bring it back, it wanders, you keep bringing it back until it gets, oh yeah, this is where the attention is supposed to be. This is good enough because we're, we want to learn that experience where the mind's habit of needing this diversity, needing to connect with the diversity of experiences, we're learning no, no, I can put down my need to think this thought, to look over here, to wonder about that sound, to feel my foot to think this. It's sort of like, we may not like it, but we could survive for a long time on oatmeal. Nothing but oatmeal, right? But it would mean giving up like all of my likes of all these different flavors and different textures and different this and different that. So, there's a real lesson to be learned about The heart of just being with one thing. Because there's real freedom and not having to attend to all those other things. We don't realize, you know, it's like when I'm addicted, now every day, you know, I need my matcha latte and I need this and I need that and I need to check the news and I need to check my email and I need to check in with this friend. And we feel like it actually begins to be internalized. If I can't do this, if I can't have that, then I'm incomplete, my life's not okay. And then when we, um, for whatever reason, might have to let all that go, it may be initially very painful because we're addicted to the idea that I need these things to be happy but then we go on a backpacking trip and we can't do any of that. and We realize it's so nice to be free of the dependence. It's not that those things are necessarily bad, but the mind or the heart that's dependent on having that and then that and then that, that's stressful. So to realize, like in a 30-minute sit, to realize that my mind can retreat from its idea that it needs to think about this and worry about that and fantasize and listen and do and to put all of that diversity of experiencing down and to realize I can be aware of the in-breath I can be aware of the out-breath I can be aware of the in-breath you see it's a little bit like death because all of those impulses in my heart to think this, to worry about that, to plan this, right? I'm learning to let them all die. The person that wants to think that, wants to fantasize, wants to plan, wants to obsess, wants to, wants to, wants to. All of that begins to die because we're cultivating this value and being aware of just one thing. So in Buddhism, we call that seclusion. The mind is secluding itself from the diversity of experiencing whatever else in terms of its mental and bodily activities it would be engaged in, involved in, right? It's withdrawing from our usual diversity of experiencing. And instead, it's knowing one thing, feeling the breath coming in, feeling the breath going out. Now that's, a lot, that there's a lot there just in knowing the breath coming in and going out. But it's a huge step towards simplicity. Now, it's not about doing this forever. It's about no know, knowing, one, the mind can drop its idea that it's dependent, like when I have the impulse to obsess about something, I have to do it right now. No, you don't. That's just that tug to think that, to worry about that, to plan that. And we can be aware of that impulse without acting it out and return back to the chosen object, the meditation object. And then they feel another tug. And if we're really on our game, right, if there's some good continuity, we'll notice the tug, but we don't have to act it out. A lot of times we don't notice the tug And we're already fantasizing or planning or thinking. And we might have been lost in thought for three or four minutes before mindfulness realizes, oh yeah, I'm thinking. thinking's like this. But then, even though it's not so easy, we take a moment, we notice what it feels like to be lost in thought. What's the underlying charge here? And then we come back to our chosen object. So really think about this initial part of practice where we're working with a meditation object as uh, developing a particular muscle in the mind. Initially, it's the muscle of non-distraction, keeping one thing in mind. Then it's <clears throat> it develops into learning the very particular pleasure of the mind secluding itself from what it thinks of as its need to think this, to do this, to fantasize, right? So it's really the pleasure of non-dependence, or as I mentioned, we call it the happiness of seclusion. It's a particular kind of happiness, the mind not being dependent on worldly experience. And of course, we're going to go back to thinking this and being aware of that, but to know that we can put it down. It's a little bit like, I might have mentioned this one of the earlier weeks like deep sleep because to really go into deep sleep the mind the heart is letting go of its addictive relationship to experience that's the very definition of deep sleep right for that period of time maybe a couple times during the night I forget how long it lasts but it's it's not the majority of our sleep at night you know mostly it's dream sleep but there are some moments of deep sleep where the mind is not entangled with sense experience it drops it and of course we don't know much about that experience do we because the mind isn't entangled with experience the mind has really withdrawn from the world and your partner if you have a partner they could do weird things to you in those moments of deep sleep right because you're not aware of sound you're not aware of touch the mind has withdrawn from its sensitivity of the eye the ear smell taste and touch it's not monitoring those sense gates right it's withdrawn and we always feel good coming out of deep sleep interesting isn't it so this is part of practice meditation practice it's not the whole game but it's an important mental or spiritual muscle that we definitely want to develop. And it really sets up the insight, the deepening of understanding that is really liberating. But we need this first muscle. We need to put down the world before we can really investigate the nature of the mind in the world. As long as the mind is entangled with its experience, we can't really study it. So this is why in Buddhist practice, there's a real emphasis on concentration or tranquility or this seclusion that I've been talking about. Then the second half of the practice, or maybe the last third tonight, we'll do the more open awareness practice. So instead of, for that last third, instead of directing the attention back to the chosen meditation object, some of you will use the tip of your nose, feeling the breath going in and out, Others, will use the belly rising and falling. Some of you, we use hearing as your primary object, right? It's up to everyone to find what their mind likes well enough. It doesn't have to be a perfect. There isn't a perfect meditation object. But just choose one as your primary anchor, a primary meditation object. So you learn over time, to your mind will learn to like it because it's going to associate... Being with the mental, with the meditation object, with the happiness of seclusion, of putting down the world and its entanglements with sense experience. And it's a very real pleasure, more satisfying than ice cream, more satisfying than a good movie, or anything you consider sort of a more ordinary worldly pleasure. But it takes some training to really access that mental bliss of seclusion, but I'm telling you, it's a real thing, right? And you know, when you look at human culture, whether it's dancing or drumming or praying or singing, every single human culture has ways to gather the energies of the mind to one thing and put down everything else. There isn't a human culture that didn't have some ritual, some activity that allowed them to drop worldly obsessing about this and that, you know? So when you're in that, like if you were in a drumming circle, wherever, you know, when the group is in sync and really there, you're not worried about your toothache or what you're going to say to your partner or those kids who don't listen to you because you're, the mind is absorbed in that particular meditative activity. And to be absorbed, it had to drop everything else. So the mind is temporarily liberated from all of its worldly concerns. We try to do that with movies and other sorts of entertainments, right? They're just, what meditation is, this part of meditation is a real science an art and science of how to seclude the mind from its worldly entanglements. So that we can really access the joy or the mental bliss of the heart or the mind that is not entangled, not getting pushed around by its likes and dislikes. So then when we return to more ordinary consciousness, where we are aware and are entangled, that there's a reverberation from having tasted the peace of non-entanglement. And it changes then how we relate once we're back, dealing with this and dealing with that. And then the last part, we're working more, not so much on concentration, which is the first part or non-distraction, and really working more with the wisdom of non-attachment. So the first thing is really about being Uh, training and intimacy by using one object or non-distraction and keeping one thing in mind and the next thing is really working with non-attachment so we want the exposure of different objects of experience coming and going we're still you know sitting still as best we can in our meditation space at home you know the cell phone is still off So the experience is still relatively simplified. But now you might even, you're you know more than welcome to do this part of the practice with your eyes open. But it's okay to have them closed. But here, anything goes. So you're not directing the attention back to your breath or to your chosen meditation object. So when you notice that the mind is thinking, then thinking is being known. When you notice the mind is worrying, worrying is being known. When you notice that the mind is seeing, seeing is being known. When you notice that the mind is hearing, hearing is being known. When you notice you really like the sound you're hearing, liking is being known. Now you don't have to say those words in your mind, but you can from time to time when saying something like, oh, liking is being known when that phrase silently of course in your mind when you say that phrase if it helps to stabilize the present moment awareness then use that phrase and if you don't know what it is just say oh this experience is being known that's a simple truth that can really ground the heart the mind in the present moment and if you you could even ask the question what's the mind knowing When you're doing this open awareness practice. What's the mind knowing now? Is there liking going on? Wanting something to happen? Oh, this is greed being known. Is there not wanting? Not liking happening? Oh, this is aversion being known. Is there doubt? Doubt is being known. I'll go through the obstacles a little bit more in week four. Where we dig into the five hindrances. But it's a list worth Noticing, you probably already have learned a lot because these are the typical ways the mind gets distracted. Wanting, wanting something to happen, but not noticing that there's wanting. Oh, this is just wanting. Not wanting, that's the second hindrance. Too much energy, restlessness, worrying, you know, that kind of flitting about. Too little energy, sleepiness, dullness, and doubting. And, you know, you could probably organize the things that hinder the stability of present moment awareness in other ways, but you might as well use the way the Buddha did. It's a pretty complete list. And you can probably, anything that hinders the stability of present moment awareness, you can probably fit into one of these or some combination of these five hindrances. Wanting, not wanting, too much energy, too little energy, and doubt. So like if you're having a real hard time, especially with this open awareness practice we do toward the end of our set, then just ask, well, are any of the hindrances happening? Is there wanting going on? Is there not wanting? Is the mind dull? Is the mind restless? Is there doubt, confusion going on? And that can really clarify, because once you identify the hindrance, then you're mindful again. So mindfulness doesn't depend on there not being greed. Mindfulness depends when there's greed, that wisdom recognizes, oh yeah, there's greed in the mind right now. That's what's happening. I want this sit to be done. Or I don't want this sit to continue, aversion. Or I have doubt whether I know what I'm doing in this sit. Oh, that's doubt. That's just doubt. And that's so cool to realize that these ordinary habits of the mind don't have to be seen as a problem. They're just the next thing being known. And that's the real power of this open awareness part of the practice is non-attachment is realizing that freedom doesn't depend on a particular circumstance or situation. Freedom depends... On the heart or the mind relating to this moment with non attachment, non identification, non
0: grasping. It's not, it's,
1: uh, you know, the simple definition of freedom is realizing the heart that's free from grasping. So realizing the mind where the mind is aware, is intimate, but not grasping, not struggling, not in conflict with experience. And that's what we're practicing this last third of the sit tonight. So any questions about those two aspects of our sit before we move our body, stretch a bit, and then we'll sit? Any questions about what I said, these two, the directed and then the non-directed? So go ahead and uh, stretch yourself, adjust yourselves tonight and we'll get started in maybe two minutes or so or a minute.
0: Really appreciate
1: taking the seat, the meditation seat. And we're cultivating both a sense of relaxation and a sense of being upright
0: and stable in our posture. And although
1: we probably won't be perfectly still, it does help to, once you've settled, Made any last adjustments it does really help to resolve for this thirty minute period or so to hold the body relative excuse me relatively still, just as best you can, of course, and if you do need to make a little or subtle adjustment to your body, then simply be aware
0: of what's happening. You don't need to rush if you do need to make an adjustment. Better to do it with some mindful awareness.
1: And remember the nice ritual at the beginning of sits where you take a couple longer, deeper breaths in and out and really practice not rushing. As if you have all the time in the world to fill and then empty the lungs and do that, maybe three to five breaths. We're using the deep breathing to relearn how to be intimate, that it's okay to be intimate with the body, to feel the sitting body now.
0: So maybe one more of these long, easy breaths in and out. Take your time.
1: And eventually letting the breath continue on its own, being grateful that the body knows how to breathe so we don't need to consciously manage the breathing process.
0: feeling the totality of the sitting body, breathing in sensitive to the whole body, while breathing out
1: sensitive to the whole body. And of course, if you're using a different meditation object, then just make that adjustment so that you're cultivating this non-distractedness with your meditation object in a relaxed way. Don't forget,
0: the stability of present moment awareness requires that the mind and body is relaxed. But for many
1: of us, we'll use the whole body so we feel the sensations of breathing in and we use that as a cue to be intimate with the whole body sitting. And then as we feel the beginning of the out-breath, again, it's just a reminder to open, be sensitive to the whole body sitting. So one half-breath at a time, we're practicing this non-distraction, this intimacy with the totality of the bodily sensations. from the beginning of each in-breath to the end, from the beginning of each out-breath until the end. And we do this without being tight in any way.
0: Keeping the whole body in mind.
1: And there's no need to get frustrated when the mind wanders. Just acknowledge that the mind is thinking or whatever. If there's a charge, emotional charge, then acknowledge that underlying feeling feels like this. And then in a persistent but gentle way, begin again with your chosen meditation object, connecting, sustaining, and cultivating a beautiful interest. And begin to notice the inner joy of seclusion or non-distractedness. It feels good, a kind of mental healing or healing of
0: the heart, this non-distraction. And we can always begin again and again. This is how we develop
1: this mental training, this gentle but persistent willingness to begin again.
0: We're just knowing this
1: simple experience of breathing in, breathing out, or feeling the sensations of the whole body as we breathe in aware of the experience of the whole body as we breathe out, whatever your meditation anchor is. Simply connecting, knowing it's like this now, and sustaining that. So it's really a simple practice of non-distraction, keeping the meditation object in mind and keeping the heart and mind relaxed as you do that.
0: And be interested in the continuity with your meditation object. Simply tracking in a continuous way and then
1: eventually, the mind wanders and beginning again. Can we sustain this awareness with the meditation object? and begin to feel the happiness of seclusion, non-distraction. So a few more minutes. And we'll slowly transition when you feel ready to this more open awareness practice. And for some folks it helps to allow the eyes to open, although we're not looking around and you don't need to open your eyes.
0: So whatever you like.
1: And so, of course, there will be more objects of experience coming and going. Seeing will be known. Hearing.
0: Body, breath will still be known. And there might be more thinking because of the more openness of the attention.
1: But whatever it is that's predominant in any given moment, whatever it is that the attention is knowing, then the practice is simply to acknowledge this is being known. And of course you don't need to repeat any words in your mind,
0: but you can if you want, if it's helpful.
1: And here the Meditation object isn't a particular object of experience, but the present moment itself, that this is being known. And then this is being known.
0: So in this way, you'll
1: notice that the continuity of present moment awareness has a different feel different quality to it. Because we're right in the middle of this diversity of experiencing different objects being known one
0: after another. but of course always being known in the present moment. So we'll
1: continue for about five minutes in this way. And if you can, see if you can notice when a hindrance arises, the wanting mind, the aversive mind, the sleepy mind, the restless mind, the doubting mind.
0: It's just the next thing being known, being felt. And then now, before we end,
1: just sensing, if you can, this independent presence. So the awareness, the mind that knows, the heart that feels, but that's independent of any particular object being known.
0: the space of awareness or the space of the knowing mind.
1: And different objects, different experiences come and are known, then the next thing, and then the next thing. But there seems to be some stability,
0: some equanimity some balance
1: that persists. So notice that persistent balance of the mind.
0: To some degree unflappable. Whatever's known. Oh yeah, this is being known. Now this feels like this. and see if you can
1: sense the peacefulness of that equanimity, of that balance. Peace, peace with the conditions of the moment, peace with what's
0: coming and going in experience.
1: And if you like that gesture, Anjali, you can do that. And then taking care of your body,
0: adjust your posture.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.